Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Today we have a crazy nuclear revenge story against an ex-husband. But first, in a game of poker, two can play pretense. In navigating through the corporate world, there is one ideology that never sat well with me. It's the belief that irrespective of what the truth is, the employee has to be loyal to their employer. Well, I call BS, because that couldn't be far from the truth. And if you have a boss like mine, you would equally see this ideology as trash. I guess I should say had, because it all is in the past tense now. I quit. Well, before I got fired, this would not have been the case, but at this point, nothing is stopping me. The good part is that I get to share my side of the story. This is the story of how my boss fired me after I dealt him a similar hand as he dealt me. It's how my boss treated me like dirt thinking I could not do anything about it. Truth is, at the time I was fired, that idea he had of me was probably right. But it's been a year now since the dust has settled, and the circumstances changed me more than I could have thought. My name is Dave, and from the very first moment I stepped into the bustling offices of Wordsmate, I knew that this was where I belonged. As an aspiring writer, the opportunity to intern at one of the most prestigious writing and creative companies in the city felt like a dream come true. But the problem here was that at this time I was oblivious to the fact that this experience would test my dedication and passion to my lifelong dream in ways I could never have imagined. From the onset, the palpable energy of creativity permeated the air, invigorating my soul with every breath I took. I was eager to prove myself, to show everyone that I had what it took to be a valuable asset to the company. The promise of a full-time position after a successful six-month internship was the beacon that guided me through those initial days. I tackled every task with fervor, immersing myself in each project as if it were my own masterpiece. Writing copy, crafting compelling narratives, and brainstorming innovative ideas, I embraced every challenge with a hunger to learn and grow. The days were long and the nights even longer from trying to get into a set mood for inspiration, but I relished the exhaustion that came from pouring my heart into my work. It was, after all, what I wanted. I didn't mind having to go the extra mile to get to where I wanted. To be honest, I think it was always the voice in my head learning from the words my mother said before I moved out of our apartment that made me beat myself up the most. She thought writing wasn't a job. She believed I should make use of my accounting degree to get a job somewhere in the corporate part of the city like my late dad would have wanted. But that was never my plan, and the degree was to keep her off my back for as long as I could. I think her words began to affect me such that my inner voice frequently reminded me and berated my work that I wasn't good enough to be a paid writer. Getting an offer from Wordsmate reduced the volume of that voice, and the days and hours of unpaid overtime that I worked was to finally silence that voice. Upon my acceptance of the internship role, days turned into weeks and I found myself forging connections with colleagues who appreciated my dedication and passion. My hard work did not go unnoticed, and I began to earn praise from clients and supervisors alike. 
Even Mr. Anderson, the enigmatic and often stoic boss, occasionally offered a nod of approval, a silent acknowledgement that spoke volumes. My fellow interns and I formed a close-knit community, encouraging one another and sharing our triumphs and struggles. The support we offered each other was an anchor in the swirling sea of creative pressure that surrounded us. Together, we navigated the challenges, celebrated the victories, and reminded each other that we were destined for greatness. The promise of a full-time position served as a driving force, motivating me to push my boundaries even further. I sought out new challenges, eagerly volunteering for projects that demanded innovation and creativity. The sense of purpose that filled my days made the long hours feel like moments suspended in time. As the end of my internship drew near, a mixture of excitement and trepidation flooded my thoughts. The moment I'd worked tirelessly for was within reach. I could taste the success, feel the weight of my accomplishments, and see myself as one of the new permanent members of the Wordsmate. However, as destiny would have it, the blissful bubble of anticipation burst with a single visit to Mr. Anderson's office. The same man who had occasionally acknowledged my efforts now delivered a crushing blow to my dreams. His cold, emotionless gaze conveyed a verdict that shattered my heart. Dave, I regret to inform you that your performance during this internship has not met our expectations. We won't be offering you a full-time position. Stunned and disbelieving, I struggled to find words to defend myself, to prove I'd poured my soul into this company, but Mr. Anderson's mind seemed irrevocably made up, and my pleas fell on deaf ears. With a nod, he dismissed me, leaving me standing there, feeling like a discarded pen that had run out of ink. As it would turn out, the pain of rejection was worse than I'd thought. It weighed heavily on my shoulders as I gathered my belongings and walked out of that office for the last time as an intern. The world that had once felt full of boundless opportunities now seemed cruel and unforgiving. My dreams were shattered and my confidence waned. It was like my mother's words and my inner voice broke loose in my memory once again. I was close to tears, but for some reason, I could not find them running out of my eyes. I couldn't help but wonder if I'd been blind to the signs. The subtle dismissals, the lack of full recognition, the way my ideas seemed to vanish into the shadows of anonymity. It was as if I'd been dancing to a melody only I could hear, while the rest of the world remained indifferent. But I was sure I wasn't. There were times my direct team head had praised something I had written. Once, I was given the task to rebrand a section of the company's website. If I was as bad as Mr. Anderson had made it sound, I wouldn't have been tasked with the role. I decided to meet up with Cynthia, one of the interns I'd bonded with. I explained what had just happened to her and, as I expected, she couldn't believe it. It took her seeing my sunken eyes to see that I wasn't joking about being fired. She thought that maybe I needed to wow the boss with something, make him see how much of an asset I would be to the firm. I did, or at least I tried to. The result was that was getting the door slammed in my face. Yet, deep within the darkness of the moment, a flicker of determination ignited. I refused to let this setback define me or undermine my worth. As I stepped out, I knew that my journey was far from over. A fire burned within me, fueled by the desire to prove my worth. The days dragged on into weeks, and my search for a new opportunity became both a struggle and a quest for vindication. While I faced rejection from various companies, my determination never wavered. 
I want to believe that it was the excess of quiet space to think things through that made me begin to really question why I much have been fired, even before I could be officially recognized as an employee under Mr. Anderson. For some reason, something did not add up. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. But I didn't know what. All I knew was that I was fired because he said I didn't match up to what was needed. While trying to move on, I found myself navigating through a tumultuous sea of emotions. The bitter taste of rejection still lingered and the wound of being cast aside by wordsmate remained raw. Yet, I was determined to heal, to leave this chapter behind and start anew. Little did I know that an unexpected revelation awaited me, threatening to reignite the fires of anger and vengeance. One evening, as I mindlessly scrolled through my social media feed, a particular post caught my eye. It was an article, a piece of work I'd poured my heart and soul into during my time at Wordsmate. My eyes widened as I saw the name attached to it. Simon Anderson, my former boss. My heart pounded in my chest as I read the accolades in the comments section. People praised Mr. Anderson for his brilliance and innovation, lauding his creative prowess. But I knew the truth, the truth that this work was mine a creation that bore the sweat and tears of my labor, now paraded as his own. A surge of anger and betrayal washed over me. It was as if I'd been dealt a second blow, this time to my creative integrity. My mind raced, trying to comprehend how Mr. Anderson could claim my work as his own, seemingly without a hint of remorse, especially since he said I wasn't good enough. How could things have not have been going good enough to garner the praises they rained on the work that was supposedly his? As I dug deeper into the post's origins, the realization dawned upon me. My boss never intended to pay or acknowledge my contributions. He'd used me as an unpaid intern to harvest ideas and creativity, eager to capitalize on my dedication without offering anything in return. Anger mingled with sadness as I was forced to see the harsh truth. I'd been a pawn in his game, a tool to extract ideas that would elevate his status while crushing my dreams underfoot. It wasn't just about losing a full-time position, it was about my work and talent being stolen, leaving me stripped of credit and recognition. I couldn't fathom the audacity and heartlessness of it all. How could someone with such power and influence stoop so low? The pain of betrayal sliced through my resolve like a sharp blade. But as the initial shock wore off, a new emotion emerged from within me. I needed to make him pay. I needed my voice to be heard. And I was going to stop at nothing in showing the world the kind of person he was. 
I knew what I had to do. Use the same means of pretense, gather as much information as I could, then come back on social media to announce to those that have called him creative that while he might have been so at one point in his life, all he was now was a sad harvester of the sweat and toil of young creatives. The first thing I did was to ask for help from my contacts that were still in the firm. I needed to know what they thought of the whole scenario. The idea was to get an objective view, but more than getting an objective view, I realized that it wasn't a me thing. It was something that has become somewhat of a trend in the organization. Mr. Anderson had a track record of firing interns just shortly after they become employees, or before they could become one, after the period of unpaid internship was over. There were tons of interns that date back to years before I even walked into the office to apply for a role as an intern, and for some reason, no one bothered to ask why the interns had been fired without due cause. None of the interns had a voice to lay claim to their work that the boss stole after they'd been sacked. I was more furious than I was when I left his office that day when he told me I wasn't good enough. I was pissed at myself for not seeing beyond my nose. I was pissed at other interns who had faced a similar problem and kept mute, and I was finally pissed that I sat in my room in tears at the blatant show of injustice. I took on the role of an avenger of some sort, an anonymous crusader armed with the truth. On social media platforms and blogging sites, I shared my story and that of other wronged interns, unmasking the facade of Wordsmate. The response was overwhelming. Former interns, employees, and even clients stepped forward, sharing their experiences of exploitation and deceit. The unknown voice became a symbol of resistance against a system that preyed on young, talented minds. But with every step I took, I knew the risks were escalating. Exposing Mr. Anderson's machinations could have severe consequences, not just for me, but for those who dared to support me. Fear gnawed at the edges of my determination threatening to undermine my resolve. However, I drew strength from the community that had rallied behind me. We were no longer isolated voices, we were a chorus demanding justice. This wasn't just about one intern seeking revenge, it was about shedding light on an industry plagued by exploitation. I meticulously gathered evidence and testimonies from former interns and colleagues. The weight of responsibility grew, knowing that the truth rested on my shoulders. But I was no longer alone. My fellow interns had become comrades in a battle against injustice. The movement gained momentum, drawing attention from media outlets and industry insiders. The support we received was overwhelming, and the pressure from Mr. Anderson and Wordsmate intensified. Yet, he remained silent, perhaps hoping that this storm would eventually pass. It was a usual case of ignoring it till it loses momentum. Plus, there was no face to the voice of accusations. But the community was far from done. In a way, it was like everyone decided it was the right time to come after those that had stolen their works in time past, or those that had removed their names from getting recognition for the part they played in one work or the other. It was massive, but I was not about to let him off the hook. The time had come to confront Mr. Anderson, to hold him accountable for his actions. Armed with the weight of truth and the unwavering support of a united front, I decided to reveal my identity and face him head on. This time, I wasn't sneaking in as an intern hopeful. I was walking in with purpose, ready to face Mr. Simon Anderson, the man who had exploited my creativity and that of so many others. 
it was time to shred the cloak of anonymity and confront the man responsible for my shattered dreams. Stepping into the sleek lobby, I was met with a familiar buzz of creative energy that once inspired me. But this time, there was no awe or wonder, only a fierce fire burning within, fueled by the countless stories of those who had fallen victim to Mr. Anderson's cunning schemes. I made my way to the reception desk where a polite but wary receptionist greeted me. I took a deep breath, steadying my nerves, and requested to see Mr. Anderson. I had anticipated resistance, but to my surprise, she nodded and picked up the phone to announce my arrival. I reached Mr. Anderson's office door, took a deep breath, and knocked. The response was a cool, come in. I pushed the door open, and there he was, the man who had held my dreams in his hands, and callously cast them aside. Mr. Anderson looked up from his desk, surprise flickering across his face as he recognized me. Dave, what are you doing here? He asked, attempting to remain his usual air of authority. My voice was steady, carrying the weight of every intern who had been exploited. I'm here to talk about the truth, Mr. Anderson, I replied. My words tinged with a mix of anger and determination. He chuckled, attempting to brush off the gravity of the situation. Oh, I see. Still caught up in the little social media stunt, are you? I guess I should have known it was you. You should know that won't change anything, right? His plan was to make me cower in fear at his words, but my eyes locked with his, unwavering. It already has, I said. People are aware of your exploitative practices. They know the truth about how you used interns like me, stealing our ideas and creativity without offering fair compensation or recognition. Mr. Anderson leaned back in his chair, a hint of unease creeping into his demeanor. You don't understand how this industry works, Dave. We can't credit every intern for their ideas. It's just not practical. Oh, I understand perfectly, I retorted. You exploited us because you thought we were vulnerable, that we wouldn't dare speak up. But times are changing, Mr. Anderson, and your reign of exploitation is coming to an end. He attempted to dismiss my words with a wave of his hand. This is just a phase, a little uproar that will eventually die down. You can't do anything to stop it. You're making a big mistake, Dave. I can make sure you never work in this industry again. With that, I walked out of his office, my heart pounding with a mix and fear of satisfaction. I'd faced my fears and confronted the man who had once held power over me. The battle was far from over, but this was a victory. A victory for justice, for creativity, and for all the interns who had suffered in silence. The good part was that I recorded the entire conversation, and after uploading it to the internet, Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. People began to boycott the organization. To be honest, I'm a bit scared of what this would mean for my writing career or if I even have a career in writing anymore after bringing down one of the most prominent writing firm's bosses. But at that point, I didn't care. I couldn't bring myself to care after seeing how he'd gotten away with his crimes for so long. 
and at least before Wordsmate was forced to close down, I got the recognition for the work I deserved. For now, that is enough. All I'm saying is, is if OP has trouble getting work elsewhere when they can pretty much prove that they had produced work good enough that the boss of Wordsmate wanted to steal it and post it out there and get commended for it, then that speaks more about the other owners or the other bosses of those organizations and suggestive of how shady they might be too. Because the only thing OP's doing here is fighting for the rights of the people who produce this work. If you as a boss say no because that concerns you too much, well I think that just raises more questions about you and what you're doing. Our next story is what I did to my ex-husband. Sometimes in the middle of nowhere, you meet people that teach you what it means to trust. With Nicholas, it was the exact opposite. After he dealt with me, I haven't been able to fully trust anyone else. I met Nicholas at a party I'd been forced to attend, but I wasn't feeling it. I was slouched on a chair in the corner with my cup of booze in my hands. My friends had tried to get me on the dance floor, but I'd violently refused. I glanced down at my watch, hoping the shorthand of the clock would finally strike 12 so I could leave. No such luck. Time was unbearably slow. It was barely 9.30. Suddenly, someone slid into the chair beside me, and that someone was flashing me a smile that could have been termed charming, but in the state I was... I couldn't help but find it irritating. I sighed and looked in the opposite direction. I didn't want a conversation. Hey there, the guy said. I turned over to give him a warning look and noticed that the said stranger was still grinning wildly at me. What on earth could he possibly be so happy about? Or maybe he'd had too much to drink. I shook my head and pretended to be absorbed by the memes on my TikTok page. Maybe if he got bored of trying to talk to me, he'd move on to something else. I was wrong. He sidled closer to me and whispered, I thought you'd want some company. Surprisingly, I didn't smell any alcohol on his breath. I sighed again but decided to reply to him this time. And what could have given you that notion? I don't know, he muttered. Maybe it's the fact that you've been sitting here since you arrived at the party? Or the bored look on your face? Or the fact that that's your fifth cup in less than two hours? I couldn't help laughing. How had he noticed all that in such a crowded room? Have you been watching me? I asked. He shrugged. I tried, but it'd be hard to take my eyes off the prettiest girl in the room. Plus, you look a bit sad. He looked me in the eyes. Want to talk about it? And that was how I found myself spilling all the tea about how I wasn't in a good place emotionally and none of my friends understood that and how I was going through a rough patch at work and I was really worried about my dad's health. All to a complete stranger. It felt so good to finally let my feelings out to someone who couldn't judge me, and he turned out to be a great listener. I didn't even realize it was way past 12 till one of my friends, Janice, came to drag me home. He asked for my number, and that was when I realized we hadn't even introduced ourselves. Nicholas, he said. Nicholas Spielman. Over the next few months, we talked a lot over social media. He constantly checked up on me, sent me random gifts to cheer me up, and even surprised me with date nights. He was so sweet and gentle and caring, he even followed me to some of my therapy sessions. We eventually couldn't go a day without hearing from the other person. We obviously started to date, and it got so serious that before we knew what was up, we'd started prepping for our wedding. I never met my mom, she left when I was really little, and my dad did more than he should have to try to fill the shoes of both parents, so the loss wouldn't be too great for me. He gave me the best education possible showered me with gifts and got me the latest phones and so much more. 
The wedding wasn't any different. My dad was extremely excited when he heard the news about the wedding. He immediately gave both of us his blessing and promised to foot every bill concerning the wedding. He's extremely rich, including Nicholas's suit. When Nicholas didn't turn down my dad's offer or think twice when billing my dad for his clothes, I started to have some reservations. It just felt weird that he didn't offer to be responsible for the costs of his wedding. But the gut feeling went as suddenly as it came. Everyone liked gifts. Some people just knew how to hide it better than others. The wedding day came and it was blissful. Everything was gorgeous and perfect. The food was exquisite. All my family and best friends were present. And my dress? I just loved it. I felt like a fairy tale princess, and my Prince Charming looked as handsome as ever in his tuxedo. Towards the end of the event, my dad announced that, as a final wedding gift to us, he was going to pay off our mortgage for our new home. Again, Nicholas accepted without hesitation. He didn't even act overly grateful. I was scared that he was starting to feel entitled and would expect handouts from my dad whenever it was convenient. Being married to Nicholas wasn't bad at all. He was as sweet as I'd known him, though there were fewer gifts and date nights. He sometimes made Saturday brunch all by himself. He was an excellent cook, and I thoroughly enjoyed it. I looked forward to his meals because I secretly thought they tasted better than mine. As all couples do, we had our little spats here and there, but there was nothing too serious. Soon we started having kids. Our first child was a delightful baby boy, Ben. He was so perfect and he looked exactly like his dad. Next, we had a gorgeous girl, Rose, who still happened to look more like her dad than she did me. We both loved them dearly, but things started to get strained between Nicholas and I. We both had reasonable salaries, but with the new mouths to feed and bodies to clothe, we could only save a tiny percentage for ourselves, and Nicholas wasn't into that. He was always trying to find cheaper alternatives for their supplements and cereals or wanted me to get all their clothes from thrift stores and just couldn't get over the fact that their wipes and baby soap got exhausted so quickly. He didn't like to spend so much of his money on the family and expected me to pay a higher percentage of the bills if I insisted on spoiling the kids. Obviously, this led to a series of intolerable fights. We were constantly mad at each other and started to pick holes in things that shouldn't really have mattered. At some point, I started sleeping in the kids' room. I couldn't stand to sleep beside someone so self-centered. For a while, I'd been trying to secure admission to a prestigious postgraduate school in India for my master's in law without telling anyone. The whole process had been complicated and disappointing, so I didn't want to raise anyone's hope just to get them dashed. Fortunately, I'd gotten a positive response. There was finally an open slot for me which I had to claim as soon as possible, or it would be offered to someone else. I quickly forwarded the mail to my dad and, bless his heart, he promptly paid the fees and bought me a plane ticket so I could travel the next week. Before I knew it, I was already on campus starting a rigorous academic journey. I was so excited. I loved the environment, everyone had this laid-back, friendly vibe. There was so much academic competition and the food was quite really exotic and spicy. I was having the time of my life, but I missed my babies. I'd left them with Nicholas and I wasn't sure how well he'd be able to take care of them. I Skyped with them every evening after classes and asked my dad to keep an eye on them. Apparently, distance does make the heart grow fonder because Nicholas himself started to FaceTime me to ask how I was and how the classes were going. We were getting back into a rhythm without all the external pressure, and I began to miss them all terribly. 
I see a random child and remember how cute Ben looked when he falls asleep while eating, or I'd see a couple in the park and my heart would start to ache. I was yearning to hold my family once again, to be with all of them. I wanted to braid Rose's hair, play games with Ben, go shopping with both of them, scold them for having too much candy, and taste Nicholas's delicious meals again. I was getting so terribly homesick. I couldn't even enjoy the bright and colorful Indian festivals that were being held. I couldn't eat any of the exciting looking Indian foods or drinks. I couldn't even concentrate in class. I wanted to be with my family, and one day I couldn't take it anymore. I called my father and poured out my feelings to him while tears rushed out of my eyes. Seeing how horrible I felt, my dad decided to send my family to stay with me in India for three years, till I was done with postgraduate school. My dear father figured that the kids would have to go to school and they'd need to rent an apartment while they'd be here, so he budgeted about $2 million for their flight expenses, school fees, and rent, so they'd get settled in quite easily. We told Nicholas about the development, and he seemed quite happy to join me. He claimed to have missed me more than I could ever imagine, and wouldn't mind moving to a totally different country to be with me. Their flight was scheduled to leave at the end of the month to give them enough time to pack and prepare. My dad, as trusting as he is, gave his debit card to Nicholas and asked him to transfer the $2 million to himself. Normally, my dad wouldn't have been as careless as that, but Nicholas was considered family, so there was nothing to be skeptical about. Nicholas decided that he'd sort out the money the next day. So, while the kids were in school, he headed out to the bank. The school had long been over for the kids, but Nicholas was yet to arrive. The teachers waited and waited till they could wait no more. They dialed his number repeatedly, but they got no reply. Finally, they called my dad, who came to pick them up almost six hours after school had been over. My dad called and told me what was going on, and we all tried to reach Nicholas. I started to panic because I was scared that something terrible had happened to him that was preventing him from coming back home. Little did I know that he had done something unimaginable. Late in the night, while my dad's butler was going through the children's bags to ensure they'd completed their homework properly, he found a letter from Nicholas. His letter was addressed to me. I'm so sorry for leaving like this, and I hope you'd all find a place in your hearts to forgive me. Our kids, Ben and Rose, I love them both so dearly and I know they'd grow to be marvelous people. I know this doesn't seem like the right thing to do as a husband, but I want to forget all about me. I want you to move on and be happy. I care deeply about you, but I'm not cut out for marriage and responsibilities. I hope your dad doesn't get too pissed at me. The only reason I'd make off with the money is because I need it, and I know he can spare it. Please don't look for me. I wish you the best in life, Nicholas. How immature and foolish could someone sound in so few words? He was comfortable leaving his children without a glance back. He said he wasn't ready for marriage and responsibilities and he's almost in his mid-thirties. So when was he going to be ready? When he was in his seventies? And he really wanted to steal my dad's money? After my dad read the letter, he rushed to freeze his accounts but he was too late. Nicholas had already transferred five million dollars to his account. $3 million more than he was authorized to collect in the first place. For such a foolish person, he had a lot of brain power when it came to scamming people. Because before they could even track down his account, he'd scattered the money in bits into various accounts and investments that were untraceable. My dad didn't want to involve the police because he worried about how it would affect the children when they grew up and realized that their father was a criminal. We hired a personal detective to try to get some information on his whereabouts. At first, it seemed like he'd walked off the planet. Eventually, we found that he'd moved to a different state, 
and was only leaving his girlfriend's apartment at night. Yes, he had a girlfriend. I was speechless. The fact that he could do all that to his own family after making vows on the altar was appalling. I didn't care much that he'd moved on. What stung was that he'd left his own children without a father, and he was having fun with my father's hard-earned money because he could spare it. I was even more distracted at school than I was before. What was I going to tell the kids when they asked about their father? What if he suddenly came back and decided he wanted to take them away from me? What if he realized that he misses them and kidnapped them at school one of these days? I was getting more and more paranoid, and my mind started to fill with anxiety. I had to write the Dean of Student Affairs and ask to be allowed to go home for some time because of the peculiar circumstances. Thankfully, she understood my plight and granted me an exit for a few months. My mind felt calmer and I felt more at ease around my children. I felt like the only way I could be sure that no one would harm them was when I was there in person to protect them. But as if Nicholas wanted to emphasize my fears, he actually went to visit the children at school one Tuesday and they told me, Daddy came to see us and he said he hadn't been able to come earlier because you hadn't allowed him. My blood ran cold. I didn't want him around them and most especially, I didn't want him feeding them lies. I had to do something about him, something that he deserved for all the rubbish he'd done to us and something that would make him stay far away from us for the rest of our lives. I knew that I couldn't do anything that would be carried in the tabloids because it would eventually affect my children. I had to do something low-key but extremely painful. There was one thing he loved with all his heart, and that was money. I was going to use that against him. I had to hire the services of a private detective to pose as the CEO of a successful investment company and forge account statements with my dad's bank records since they contained large amounts of money. I was spending a lot of money on this plot to get back at him, but it was absolutely worth it. All he had to do was fall for the words of the detective and invest all of his money. As expected, he swallowed the bait. He obviously couldn't resist the possibility of doubling the money he'd stolen in such little time and with no extra effort. All he had to do was deposit his money into the account we'd created for him. Once his deposit was confirmed, I froze our joint account, the only other source of funds he had. I wanted to be sure he had no other option to get money. Then we transferred our money, which he'd spent almost a quarter of, back to its rightful owner. Sooner than later, he realized that he'd been swindled, just like he'd swindled me. I could imagine his panic rising as he was frantically dialing the number the detective had given him, but no one answered the phone. I'm sure he must have even visited the address on the flyer we'd handed him and would have been surprised to find no such company there. A few weeks later... I received multiple calls from him, which I never replied to. Then he sent me a text saying he needed to see me urgently and that he'd made a mistake. I immediately blocked his number. Over the next few weeks, the detective observed him from a distance and I was delighted to hear that he was going through a rough patch. His girlfriend didn't want anything to do with him now that he didn't have any money. He had nowhere to go and she'd given him a week to leave. I decided out of the niceness of my heart to send him a consolation letter. Dear Nicholas, I wrote, I hope you're having a nice life, or at least you will. This is just a friendly reminder to never try to mess with me or my family. This time, you only lost some money. You have no idea what will happen the next time. The two children you abandoned without a backward glance are definitely doing much better without you, the person you care most deeply about. 
I'm just trying to understand how this guy can transfer $5 million and disappear like nothing. Because I am almost certain there is no financial institution that is willing to move that much money without a second thought. I mean, did they make sure that the dad transferred it all in like Bitcoin or something? I just don't get how you can make off with that sum of money that quickly. Like to pull off that kind of a heist, that would have to be something that they'd been working on slowly bit by bit for a long time I would think. But with that being said, that's all the time we have for today. Now if you want to hear another absolutely crazy revenge story, check out that video on the left. Or if you missed my latest video, check out that video on the right. That said, I'll see you all next time with some more stories.